Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, this is The Rock Podcast with me, Denny Somak. Now, I'm a rock historian, producer, and best-selling author. On this episode, my guest doesn't need much of an introduction. I believe all I have to say is he's considered one of the greatest singers in rock and roll. Free, you know, all right now. Bad Company, The Firm with Jimmy Page, The Law with Kenny Jones, Queen, and a few solo albums. Yep, it's Paul Rogers. He has a new album out titled Midnight Rose, and it's on the reactivated Sun Records, you know, the record label that Elvis recorded on, as well as Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis, Ike Turner, and many other legends. Paul talks about all these things and his recent health issues, which included two strokes. He's doing much better with the help of his wife, Cynthia. Now, I have interviewed him in the past a few times, so the conversation went like this. Hello. I dressed appropriately, as you can see. <laughs> All right, Denny. Wow, nice. I like, it. I like the T-shirt, indeed. But is, but is that the one that says Paul Rogers on it? No, no. Do they have one that says Paul Rogers on it? <laughs> they certainly do. Well, I got this at the actual studio. I went for a tour. Oh, cool. This is all they were selling there, so. Okay. <laughs> so, Just get a um, Sharpie and add it in. My name is Denny Somak. We do the Excellent. Rock Podcast, which is the number one podcast for classic rock. Excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk to you a couple of things. Uh, I think they may have told you. Or we're going to talk about the new album, a few other things. Absolutely. So you can, you know, feel free to say whatever you want. So okay, I guess the first, first place, um, Paul, tell me, uh, you know, you got the new album out. You're out promoting it. You're getting a lot of press. Um, it's called Midnight Rose. And it's all original songs. First album you've done in how many years? Well, they tell me 25, although I haven't been counting, and I believe them. <laughs> okay. It seems that long. I've been doing shows, you know, with Bad Company. I went out with Queen. I was doing solo shows, so I've been very busy doing that. Yeah, I, saw, the, uh, I saw Bad Company at the Hollywood uh, Casino a couple of years ago. So yeah. that's a lot. But I've seen you over the years, and I've interviewed you a couple of times when you had solo albums out, like, last century 
So oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when you're with uh, Swan Song, etc. Anyway, uh, what do you want to tell me about this album? You recorded it in Canada, right? I did indeed. I recorded it in Canada, just locally at uh, Ray Roper's studio. He's a, a great guitar player and an engineer, you know, a studio engineer, and he has right. his own studio in his house. Uh, during the lockdown, um, I, I was sitting around the house with a guitar because there's nothing else to do, really. Right. And so I put all my material that I had in my mind together. I wrote a few new songs and I thought, you know, I could probably, I'd like to go in the studio and just see what happens when I do that. So I called uh, my rhythm section up from uh, Vancouver. And that was, uh, that is Todd Ronning and Rick Fedick. That's the bass player and the drummer. And I said to Ray, Ray Roper, um, how about we, we get in the studio and just noodle around and see what we come up with. So there was four guys in the studio just blasting away. There was me, there was a singer, me, a right. bass player, Todd Rodding, a drummer, Rick Fedick, and a guitarist, uh, Ray Roper. So we just, that's all we were. We weren't trying to make an album. We were just noodling around, but it turned into an album pretty quickly. Did you have a, a backlog of songs over the years, or were these all written specifically for this album? Well, I, I did have a backlog. Actually, I had a few songs that were on my mind and I want to get them out. And, um, you know, in a conversation with music conglomerate, the primary wave who owned Sun Records, right. when they asked what I was doing right now, I said, well, I was, I'm just in the studio, you know, noodling around. And they said, well, when you get through noodling, give us a call. We'd be very interested. Sun would be very interested in releasing those tracks and I was like, wow, really? Sun Records. So that gives that gave me an incentive to like, well, let's think about making an album here. So anyway, here's Midnight Rose. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that leads us to my next question, which what drew you to Sun Records? Obviously, everybody's drawn to Sun and Chess and the legendary uh, names, but you're the first rock artist signed uh, by the reactivated label, correct? Well, do you think so? I, I the, Ian Hunter released something just prior to myself. Okay. Hunter from Martha Hoople, yeah. who gave Nick Ross, who was a wonderful guy. So it's all, you know, all in the family. Okay. Did you, um, had you been to Sun Studios, the original in Memphis? Well, you know, I've done interviews earlier where I've said that I had never been there. But when I think back, I have. And they did show me um, <clears throat> um, the studio and there's a... a, a uh, there's, there's a crawl space or what something underneath right like and they feed a microphone down an old like a hole in the ceiling right and they put an amp down there and they get an, a fantastic echo which they used on a lot of their recordings i was fascinated by that because it's so organic you know and it was it's such a magical place yeah i mean i i know uh over the years i've talked to people uh, that went to record or just to see it uh, the yard birds and people like that who just like wow. couldn't believe they were there you know so yeah. it is an attraction. Um, now, I want to talk to you a little bit, obviously, about your career. People know um, you were in uh, Bad Company. Uh, you were in The Firm. You were uh, in The Law. You had solo albums. You have a long history on Atlantic, which we're going to get to in a minute. But before all that, you were in Free. And I was I didn't know this because I, I guess um, but for a long time, you weren't uh, doing all right now in your shows is there a reason for that oh well you know i thought the people were tired of it and i was doing a blues tour at the time and i had uh, jason bonham on the drums and a, a, a number of great musicians and um jason is a big free fan and he was always trying to get 
you know, let's do fire and water. Let's do wishing well. And let's do all right now, you know. And I was, I was forever saying, no, no, this is a blues tour. We're just going to stick to the blues because I had the, the Muddy Waters tribute album at the time. Right, right. And I wanted to focus on the blues, right? So, you know, one night he was, we were in this club. I can't remember where it was, but it was fantastic. It was packed. And all, there was Jason going, let's do all right now. And, then, and I said, no, 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 no. This is a blues tour. Again, I'm repeating myself. And um, the front row picked up and the audience picked up. Yeah, do all right now. Do. So there's there's only me standing in the middle of the stage going, okay. I said, okay, let's just do it. And we went into it and it just ripped it. And we hadn't done it for like, I hadn't done it for like six years or something, actually. And it just, it was so fresh and new at that point because I hadn't played it for six years. Uh, it took the roof off the place. And so I left it in the set. <laughs> What yeah. do you think about uh, all the uh, commercials that use that song? Because there's a lot of them, as you know. Well, there are. They they are usually they get permission or they ask permission to do that. Although I did have to call Chris Blackwell up at one time because there was a shoe, uh, you know, shoe odor advertisement, and uh, <laughs> and at the end of it, it said it was you know now that you've sprayed your feet with this odor deterrent. It, everything was all right now. I said, Chris, you've got to take that out. We're not allowing that. So that was stopped immediately. Right. But, you know, generally, I think it keeps the music alive. Okay. Now, um, a few years ago, I, I think I yeah, you did the uh, Free Spirit tour where you did all free yes. songs. What yeah. inspired you to do that? Do you, do you think free was uh, underrated? Didn't get the recognition that they should have? Well, you know, they're getting it now. It's strange. It's really stood the test of time, you know. And the guys I was working with at the time with Deborah Bonham's band, Pete, uh, Pete Bullock, and the guys there in her band. And we used to do, um, we used to play together. And they played the free stuff so well. I said to them, like, one day we'll do a tour of, of England playing this material. And one day that day came about. Um, and I called it free spirit because it wasn't actually free, but it was definitely the spirit of free. Right. And it was it was received so well in England. They just loved it. It was kind of my tribute to the band itself, which was a great, great little band. Now, uh, I know, obviously, uh, there's a couple of guys missing. But before that, had had you thought about reforming free like in the late 70s, early 80s at all? Uh, well, when when I left the band, Paul Kossoff was a great and together guy, I have to yeah. say. He used to all the driving, he used to drive us around way up north into Scotland and up, up there and then jump out of the car and get on stage and do a show. He was so together. But after the band split up, he, got, he went down very quickly, I'm afraid. And um, there were drugs and, and unfortunately, and so the band got back together to, I spoke to Andy, Andy spoke to me. Let's get the band back together because we've got to help Koss, Paul Kossoff. Uh, we tried that and it kind of didn't work because he was a little bit too far gone. I was very, very shocked and upset um, that we couldn't actually help him out. But in those days, you see, it wasn't, you didn't have the rehabilitation that you have nowadays. There's all kinds of, you know, organizations to help people that have right. got caught out with drugs and um you know, unfortunately, we couldn't help him. So we didn't really come back together again beyond that much. Yeah. Okay. I, I think we just passed his birthday a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was it about him, though? Because people revere him 
And, I mean, yeah. they revere free. Obviously, you got the, the band Mr. Big, which named themselves after that. You got guitarists right. like Eric Johnson, who just revered Paul. What was it about Paul? Well, I met him when he was he, he was with a band called Black Cat Bones. And uh, I, I actually had my own band called Brown Sugar at that time. And we were playing in a, you know, in a pub, in the back room of a pub. And Paul Kosov turned up and said, I'm going to get up on stage and jam. Is that OK? I said, yeah, it's OK. And um, we, we got together and he got up on stage and we played, I think we played B.B. King's Every Day, Every Day I Have the Blues, like that, at four o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting here waiting on you. We did, and then we did Stormy Monday, which was amazing, actually. Right. It was right. a great player. And the, afterwards, people came up and said, you know, when you guys played together, time stood still. Now, I hadn't heard that said of anybody but Clapton at the Marquee. And, and I thought, well, wow, that we've got something. And I said to Paul, we should form a band. So right then, that's that was when Free was formed. Is it true that you wrote uh, All Right Now in 10 minutes? Well, it's, it was... Were you and Andy? You and Andy wrote it? or? Yeah, the, the thing was, we were. I said to Andy, we were putting as much new material into our set as possible because we were a blues band originally. And I said to him, you know, we should try and phase out the blues and just have our own material because then we have our own voice, right? We have our own personality, we have our own message and it's our lyrics, you know. And uh, he said, yeah, let's try and do that. So we we went for that, but there was one song we could not leave out and that was called The Hunter by Albert King. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it was such a good song. It was so well loved. We just, we couldn't get off the stage without playing that. So I said to the guys, we need a song that is at least as good as that. So I, something really simple, like, all right now, you know, like that. And I said, yeah, well, let's make that the chorus. So Andy took that away and, and came back with bam, boom, bam, bam. And so I, I needed to write the lyrics for the song, you know. So I said, well, you know, it's a boy meets girl. How do we get to all right now? What happened before that now is all right? And I said, well, there she stood in the street. What was she doing? Smiling from head to her feet. Yeah, that's a good smile. I said, hey, what's this? Maybe she's, in you know, the lyrics just flowed out. So in, a, in that sense, it was quite quick, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, I know in, uh, in the UK, that uh, company came about, you signed to Island, but in the States, yeah. you signed to Swan Song, which is distributed by Atlantic. How did you yeah. get to Peter Grant? Well, it's a long story. I'll try and cut it short. We we had a guy in our, it was a road manager and he drove us with free and it was called Clive Coulson. He left the band, he left us and he joined Led Zeppelin's team, right? So he then knew Peter Grant. And when we had split up and I was with Mick Ralphs and we were writing songs together, thinking about Bad Company, et cetera, et cetera. Clive came round and said, you need to call Peter. He's very interested in you. And I said, well, I don't think so. He's, they're, they're, they're like, you know, gods of rock. He was not going to be interested in me. So I said, no. He said, no, call him up. He's, he's definitely interested. And he came around a couple of times while we were rehearsing and said, yeah, you need to call Peter. I said, OK, I'll call him up. And I said, to, I called Peter and I said, hey, Peter, I, I hear you. You know, you might be interested in what we're doing here. He said, well, I'm interested in you. And I said, well, Peter, I come with a band and we're called Bad Company. And he said, 
Well, I don't know about the name. <laughs> but he was interested and he came around to rehearsal and the rest, as they say, you know. Yeah. It's the uh, coming up on the 75th anniversary of Atlantic. And I assume that over yeah. the years, you've met Amit and you've met a lot yeah. of key people. Can you recount the first time you met him and, and what kind of a record man he was? Because so many people talk about him. Well, I want to tell you a little story. The first record I bought was on Stax, which is an independent label, was distributed by Atlantic. You probably know that. Yeah. Uh, I bought Booker T and MG's Red Beans and Rice. Now, Booker T was Otis's backing band in the studio. Otis was my man. I loved Otis. I still do. I've still got his records. I've still got a, a copy of uh, Red Beans and Rice. And uh, on that record, there's a, there's a song called Respect that Otis did, that Otis Roden did. Um, now, also, Aretha Franklin did a version of that song. And uh, it was from his, his respect was from the point of view of a man. Her respect was from the point of view of a woman, which, of course, you need mutual respect in any relationship. And um, Ahmed, we loved Chinese food. We, whenever he came to London, we would go and he'd take us out for a Chinese meal and we'd sit around and talk. And he said, he was telling me about Otis and how when he played Aretha's version of the respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, you know, she put that bit in. Um, he's, his words were, the little girl done took my song. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, he get, it was a wonderful insight into, uh, you know, uh, the personal feelings that Aldous had. And it was great. Oh, uh, Ahmet was a fantastic guy. He was a really good friend, actually. I've got to say. He was a real music guy. I bet you had some great conversations musically. We did, yes, yes, yes. Well, of course, he's very knowledgeable. And I was like, you know, I'm not very knowledgeable, but it was really great to talk to him all the time. Yeah. So you were, you, were, you probably had a common thing with him, love of the blues, love of R&B, that kind of stuff. Well, yes, yes. I mean, he was, now, where was he from? He was from Turkey, wasn't he? he was from right, Turkey. yeah. His father was the Turkish ambassador to America. I know. All this stuff I found out later, because it, to me it was, were like real gentlemen telling me stories and the head of the record company, you know. So, so all this other stuff I found out about him, I like what you just said, and he was a very powerful person. So it was yeah, great to know him. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Led Zeppelin, Bad Company, yes, Rolling Stones, Foreigner, Genesis are considered like the peak of classic rock. They were also all uh, Atlantic artists. What do you think that... During your period, what were the highlights of your career in all the different bands that you were in at that time? Oh, the highlights there have been so many. I think one of the one, one of them was the the release and the success really of Bad Core, the, the black album with Bad Core written on it. That was so wonderful because we were pretty well. We were definitely a fledgling band, you know, and trying to get ourselves heard. And Led Zeppelin and Peter Grant gave us, and the Armors and Atlantic, they gave us that opportunity to be heard, which was all the, the most that you can ask of anybody, you know, is that, that people hear your music. So we recorded this album at Headley Grange. And even that recording was, uh, was due to Peter Grant and Led Zeppelin. They, they had this uh, old mansion in the country set up to, for a Led Zeppelin album. And they were delayed by 10 days. And Peter called me up and he said, 
Now listen, Paul, you've got, we've got 10 days you can have this studio. For 10 days, you can maybe put a couple of tracks down, right? See? So I said, okay, guys, let's go. Let's get out there. And we went out there. It was a big old place. Set the drums up in the in the lobby, in the in staircase. It was a good echo there, you know. Right. There's all marble and stuff. And to set the guitars in this room and there's vocals in that room and something on the veranda. And we set it all up and played there. We had Ronnie Lane's mobile studio outside. And we just went for it. We recorded the whole album inside of those 10 days. <laughs> Isn't that so, where the famous, uh, when the levee breaks was recorded, the drums? Well, I guess it was, you know, because... Um, because of that stare. I've heard that story that the it was just the echo it was just perfect for drums. Yeah, it was perfect. It was beautiful. <clears throat> in fact, we, we sort of used our drums in there too. But I mean, there was a black dog that hung around the house. And we used to kind of take care of it and give it scraps and stuff like that. And one day I found it lying in the lobby, breathing very difficult. And I called a vet and the vet came and he said, he's got a twisted bowel and I can put him down. But, you know, Costa and I, it's, it's, it's hopeless, really. I, I should put him down. And I said, well, OK, can you please do that? He said, well, somebody's got to pay me. I'm sorry. And I said, well, how much? You know, five. You know, I said, well, please do it, you know. And later I told Jimmy about that. And he said, was that a, that's a black dog. That's the black dog <clears throat> that they used in the title of one of their songs. Right. Okay. The, 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 the actual black dog. Yeah. Now for a brief period, you were, you were playing with Queen. How did you like that? Well, it was a wild ride. <laughs> it been a wild ride. When they first approached you or, or what, well, what were your I, thoughts? Actually, uh, Chris Blackwell was being celebrated on a TV show and both Queen and I were, were set to play on that show and I was going to headline the, the show and play all right now because it was such a big part of Island Records, you know, and I said, yes, I'll do that. Then I uh, spoke to Brian and he said, look, you'd, I, it we'll be your backing band for all right now. And I said, well, that sounds good. Queen is my backing band. That sounds great. <laughs> if you'll be our singer for We Will Rock You and We're the Champions because we're going to sing those, we're going to do those songs on the show. And so we did that. We got together for those those three songs and it, I found it was really good. So when when uh, when Brian called me up and said, how do you fancy doing a couple of dates in Europe just for fun, Queen as Queen and Paul Rogers? And I, I, I now knew that it worked because we'd done these three songs and there was a connection there, you know, they right. did a great version of All Right Now. And uh, so it turned into four years. <laughs> and no, I, I been, joined yeah. the band for four years and I, we went, did the world tours twice and then we made a studio album. So at the end of that, I said to myself, you know, I really, I've got to get back to my own music and that's why I left basically. Now, I think somebody told me this. One of the songs, I don't think you recorded it with them, but one of the songs you did live with them is in a, is on the new album? Yes, I was still working on Take Love, and we did do a, a couple of versions of that live because I wanted to see if, it's, if it had it, what it took. Uh, but I wanted to keep it for myself, and we didn't put it on the album. So that's, uh, and that, that will appear, that does appear on uh, Midnight Rose. So you're sort of the lead singer that everybody wants for everything. It's always been like that. So confirm for me that you were asked to be the singer in The Doors and Deep Purple. Well, I was asked by Deep Purple to join them after the after Free had split up in Australia. 
Uh, they did call me and I spoke to all the members, but by that time, I was very interested in forming a new band. I wasn't really interested in joining a band. Um, and so I, I declined because I wanted to get together with Mick Ralphs and all the rest of the bad company. And uh, with the doors, um, Steve um, um, Kruger. Robbie Krieger. Robbie Krieger, yeah. When we, we later, much, much later, we played with the doors, a, a version of the doors, obviously without Jim. Um, and Robbie Krieger said to me, when Jim died, we all got on a plane because we didn't know what to do. We came over to England and we were looking for you. I said, well, why? And he said, because we wanted you to join the doors. And there's a picture of me going, what? <laughs> so I didn't find out until a long time later. And I don't know what my answer would have been. But Danny, there was also the Doobie Brothers wanted Paul oh. to join. When you Tommy want to introduce Johnson. Cynthia? I'm here. Hi. Yeah. Um, when uh, when Tommy Johnson um, had to leave the Doobies for a bit, they were interested in in asking Paul, but he was already into bad company. Yeah. Right. And also before Neil Sean formed Journey. Oh yeah, he 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 sent me all. Oh, that's right. Thank you, sweetheart. He sent me all this information. He was going to form a new band. He was going to call it Journey, and would I be interested in singing? But again, I was too you know committed really to writing songs with Mick Ross and seeing that where that where that would take me. Is there yeah. anybody that you ever considered or still maybe wanted to sing with that hasn't asked? Oh, um, I haven't thought about that. No, no, not, not particularly. No, I mean, you know, people have asked me what would my super group be and it would be like Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> you know, John, um, John Bonham, you know, and and probably maybe Boz, maybe Andy Fraser, I don't know, a bass player, a good bass player, maybe Todd Ronning. <laughs> yeah. Couple more questions. Uh, what plans for the future now? Are you gonna to tour? No, I don't have any plans to tour at this point in time. I've done that before. I've I've come off stage and I haven't uh, I've didn't tour between when didn't I tour for a good five years after I left. Yeah, yeah. How's your health, by the way? Oh, it's great actually, thank you. I meant to um, ask you that when we started and I forgot. <laughs> I've had some health issues. Yeah. Um, I, are we talking about them, sweetheart? Yes, yes. Yes. Well, I had some, I had a stroke and I had a heart issue or two strokes. He oh, I, I, I don't count them. <laughs> he actually had 11 TIAs and two major strokes that yeah. actually penetrated the cerebellum pretty deeply. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it's funny, I met um, uh, Levi, the singer with the Four Tops, and he was, he'd had a stroke, so I'm so lucky. Don't and tell me was, the Four Tops wanted you to sing lead too. <laughs> well, I, I did sing with them. They they wanted me to come out and do a couple of songs on their, when it was celebrating 40 years, I think. of 40th anniversary. 40th anniversary, and it was a beautiful thing because their manager said to me, well, the three, while you, well, you're singing, I sang, um, what did I sing? Love You Sweeter. Uh, I forgot what love I sang. Love Music. Love Music, yeah, OB song. We need more love music. All that stuff. It was a great song. It is a great song. And uh, they said the three other guys, the three survivors, may come out and join you. Well, they did. And I was. it's, it's, on, it's, it's on, on a YouTube? DVD. On a DVD, yeah. And it was such a, oh, well, the band, the backing band that was just so great. Um, and they did come out and it was just a fantastic moment. But, you know, I met Levi and we, he's in a wheelchair and he couldn't, he, it was, it was nonverbal. Yeah. And I've been there. 
I was nonverbal throughout my stroke as well. So I could understand, I, I didn't understand then, but I do now. And he, I found myself standing beside him in his wheelchair at the after show party. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I thought, what, what should I say? And I said, there's nothing I can say. I can sing him something. So I went, the long and winding road that leads to my door, door to your door. So I sang that song a little bit to him. His eyes were just lit up. It was so beautiful. And I said, you sang that. You did a version of that, didn't you, um, Levi? And he said, and he nodded because that's his, you know, that was his way of communicating. And it was such a beautiful moment. So, but basically what I'm saying is, you know, I, I know the dangers of stroke and, and hyperbarics has been very helpful. That's oxygen under pressure. That brought me back to life and brought my brain back. It's so brilliant. Yeah. We also did a, a therapy called NED therapy. It's an intravenous naturopathic therapy. And what it does is it increases the production of the body's, body's mitochondria, mm -hmm. which yeah. over time they, did, they deplete. Cells, yeah. yeah. And that really helped Paul. And then we had to work with a speech pathologist. He lost mm -hmm. his speech. Yeah. Uh, his right arm was directly up in the air. So I brought in a reflexologist to the hospital and she um, worked on his feet and that lowered his arm. It never went back up. Yeah, that's great. And he did have to have an endarterectomy um, yeah. where they, they open up the neck because the uh, left carotid artery was blocked. And that was the problem. Yeah. So... Um, we're very lucky because going from nonverbal and having to relearn everything from yep. brushing his teeth to yep. how Time to eat, shoelaces. yeah, everything. Yeah. So he's he's back ninety five percent, and we're yeah. happy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so before I get to my last question, since you started singing the long and winding road, did you ever see the, see the Beatles play? No, not not live. No, I saw them on the telly, like a lot of people, but. Uh, I love them and I still do. And I don't think they get enough airplay right now. I'd love, I'd actually love to do my own Beatles tribute, but that's another story. But you worked I, with Ringo, didn't you, on something? Uh, well, Kirky has, Simon Kirk has. Uh, yes, I have worked with Ringo. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He's okay. a, he's an amazing drummer because he's left-handed and plays a right-handed kit or something, you know, so it gives him a, a natural quirk. Anyway, so he's had such a great feel, you know. With the Beatles, it's always high in the high in the air. It's never it's never fall to the floor. Boom, boom, chat, boom, boom, boom. It's always it's always you know, well, really amazing, really original. Okay, I'm gonna let you go, but I'm gonna ask you a final question because I ask a lot of people now. What's in your record collection? My record collection. I have Holtz Planet Suite. Da 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 da. I love that record. I have Otis Blue. I have lots of um, Howling Wolf. Uh, lots of Otis Redding. Uh, what else do I have, sweetie? Albert King. Um, Elmo James. Yes, oh, we know he has that, and I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> the new edition. Apparently, this Paul Rogers guy is not too bad, so I've got that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, listen. I want to thank you for doing this. In fact. I don't know if, if you if you know this, but I'll tell you a story. Uh, I know David Spiro very well for many, many years. And yeah, great guy. His father, you know, had a TV show. Did right. he tell you the story about Otis Redding babysitting him? I think he might. Did he tell us? I don't think so. Oh, he's Otis, keeping Otis, secrets Otis. from us. Ask him about that. Tell me, you, you got a question from uh, Denny Somak, and he said something about Otis Redding was a babysitter for you one night? Oh man, yeah. 
Well, I can believe it because uh, that's what happened to DS. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to DS. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, thank you very much for taking time. Um, I know you're you had a very busy schedule. Good luck with the album, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon, sometime. Okay, beautiful. Thanks so much. Thanks, All Paul. Right. Thanks, Cynthia. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Danny. That's our chat with Paul Rogers. His latest album is Midnight Rose and available everywhere. Thanks for joining me on The Rock Podcast, the number one podcast for classic rock conversation. Some taken from my archives and some new, like today. Please get in touch by writing to me at hello at therockpodcast.com. Watch this interview on YouTube. Sign up to our channel. It's free, no charge. In fact, there's no charge no matter what platform you get your podcast from. See our Facebook page. And I want to thank our sponsor, Authentic Rock Collectibles. Check out their website as well. Until the next episode of The Rock Podcast, this is Denny Somak, and that's it for now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.